You ever watch this guy on television? You all were not telling the truth, and you should not be trusted. Congressman Matt Gates, thank you for what you yeah. did for your country tonight. Be offended with the Democratic whip, not House Republicans. Like a machine, Matt Gates. Welcome to Hot Takes. This is Congressman Matt Gates. Let's talk about the news. My family was in the news over the last 24 hours, and I can't say I was expecting this to happen this week, but I certainly don't mind that it did. Here's Tucker Carlson's setup last night of the interview that I had with my son, Nestor. Democratic Congressman Cedric Richmond of Louisiana argued that some people just shouldn't be in the debate because they're the wrong skin color or their children are. Richmond's claims start off with a fight with Florida Congressman Matt Gates. You all are white males. You never lived in my shoes and you do not know what it's like to be an African-American male. Are you suggesting that you're certain that none of us have non-white children? Be because you, you reflected on your black son and you said none of us could understand. Matt, Matt, stop. I'm not about to get sidetracked about the color of our children. We're talking no, about black kids. I reclaim my time. It is not about the color of your kids. It is about black males, black people in the streets How that are getting killed. And if one of them happens to be your kid, I'm concerned about him too. And clearly I'm more concerned about him than you are. So let's be clear you're, about you're that. Claiming, so you're claiming you're I more am, concerned for my family than I do? Who in the hell do you think you are? The gentleman, if the, the shoe fits. Listen, you don't know how much we care about will families. Kick dog you should take those words down. The I gentleman care will about your family and love your family. The gentleman week, will suspend. It. The gentleman suspend. The time belongs to the gentleman from Louisiana. Cedric, would you yield? Was, was that a nerve? Yeah, uh, you damn I yield right to the gentleman from Louisiana. When you attack people on the basis of their race and their children, you get exchanges like that. It's disgusting. Of course, Cedric Richmond will never be disciplined for it. Afterward, Matt Gates issued this statement on Twitter. For all those wondering, this is my son, Nestor. We share no blood, but he is my life. He came from Cuba legally, of course, six years ago and lives with me in Florida. Nestor is the best thing that has ever happened to me. And I thought I'd just take a moment and share a little bit about our story. Uh, when I was a young state legislator in Tallahassee, I met a wonderful woman who uh, was working in a catering establishment in, in, in Tallahassee, our state capital, and she was kind of the go-to person to set up events for legislators uh, hosting constituents from their district or fundraisers or other things. And gosh, I ended up having just about every event I could where she would be the catering director because I had such a crush on her. And we ended up dating, and she was from the island of Cuba, uh, was born there, uh, had immigrated to the United States with her father when he won the visa lottery. And after six months of dating, uh, she went back to Cuba because after eight years of waiting, her mother and her little brother were going to be coming to the United States. And I knew that her mother had been quite ill with, with breast cancer. And when she went down and came back, uh, she came back only with her brother and uh, their, their mom died 10 days later in Cuba. I had a chance to talk to her a time or two in Spanish. I told her she was one of my heroes. And I, I just think about her so often, even though we never met in person, you know, her last trip from that deathbed was to go to the consulate and pick up those visas and put Nestor on that airplane with his sister to the United States. And so he gets here just, uh, you know, obviously dealing with the grief of the loss of his mother, but also amazingly filled with opportunity. 
and love for this country and just an eagerness to embrace it. He didn't speak a word of English. Uh, he didn't have a single friend. And uh, so we spent a lot of time together, as you might imagine. And, and my Spanish was pretty rusty, but he helped me get it, get it better. And uh, we worked on English together. You know, most nights we would work on Rosetta Stone because it was so hard for him in school and, and it became frustrating. I mean, I can only imagine if you put me in a classroom where people were all speaking the language I didn't speak, it would it would be hard to focus and hard to really make a, a meaningful contribution. And oh, I would remember those nights, you know, we would we would sit there and he would cry and tell me that he thought he would never learn English and, uh, you know, that, that it was too hard and that he used to be such a smart boy in Cuba and he didn't want to be a dumb person here, but he just wanted to understand people. And uh, seeing all of his successes now, it, it, I'm so proud of him. Uh, he is 19 years old. He's graduated from Choctatchee High School in my district, and he's off to Troy University where he plans to study nursing. And, you know, I, I know that sometimes you don't always end up studying exactly the thing you plan on studying, but he talks about, you know, the care that, that he gave his mother uh, in her in her final months and uh, I have seen the way he shows compassion to people and he's always the first to rush up to give someone a bandage or assistance or to help someone up and so I think he'd be a fantastic nurse and I'd be super proud of him uh, if he chose to do that. Sadly uh, things didn't work out with his sister and I for reasons that I'm sure were more my fault than hers and uh, so he spent you know time with me and his sister he's uh, spent time with his biological father in Miami uh, he spends time with our with my parents and with family friends in Northwest Florida as I uh, work in Congress I I sort of feel like a single step parent at times and either of those things are, are tough I know but when you combine them it, it's a unique set of challenges I do feel a special kinship with step parents all over you know there's a certain kind of love that that you can give to another human being you know that is not your own flesh and blood that's not your own kid but you love them as much as you, you would love anyone that that was your own child that you couldn't imagine loving them anymore and I don't have any biological children uh, but I absolutely have a son and I couldn't imagine him being any more a part of my family or a part of my life so uh, it was uh, it's been you know just a great experience for me and I hope a great one for him along the way some people on social media have asked, well, you know, why why have you kept him a secret for this long? And the bottom line is this isn't a secret. Uh, if you go and look at my social media page, you see a number of the people who know me, my friends, people I've worked with over the years, acquaintances of mine, even, even Democrats, even people who don't agree with me on things saying, yeah, you know, Matt uh, stepped up for this young man. He helped him out. He raised him as his son. And, you know, the criticisms of our family are just hateful and, and weird and mean. Uh, the other, their other, you know, criticism people say is, oh, well, you know, how come you don't have, you know, adoption paperwork and all this? And look, you know, uh, he's 19 years old now. Our family was never defined by paperwork or blood. Uh, it was truly defined by the love we have for each other. And uh, we got the chance to tell our story to People Magazine. And so we'll post that up as well uh, if you're interested in it. But uh, never expected I'd be sharing this much about my personal life and my family life this week, but I'm certainly proud to do so. I'm proud of Nestor, and I'm proud of our family and the great work that he will do in his life going forward. Teenagers always think they know everything and that 
their parents don't and that they're really the ones teaching their parents. When I called Nestor and told him that as a consequence of some heated debate in the Judiciary Committee that folks were going to learn about him and our family, uh, he said, well, Matt, everyone already knows about our family because, you know, when we go to our favorite burrito shack in Fort Walton, uh, everybody knows that we're father-son. You know, when we uh, go to church, when we go to the soccer games, uh, when we hang out around his school, you know, there there is obviously an awareness that I'm the one taking care of him and, you know, that, uh, that we're a family. And so it was funny that, you know, he kind of conceived of the world like that he lived in as his whole world and that, well, you know, the people in Fort Walton, they all know. So, Matt, don't you know that already? And then I said, well, buddy, you know, I, I get that the people in Fort Walton know, but maybe not all the people in Washington knew yet and, and they're going to be finding out. And he said, well, Matt, don't they have Instagram? Uh, because Nestor and I have, have for years, you know, posted pictures with one another on our personal Instagram. And I want to thank my, my lovely, wonderful sister, Erin, uh, for sharing some of those pictures that she had saved on social media. Uh, it was uh, very heartwarming for us yesterday to be able to live all these great moments together. My former boss, Florida Senator, and former high school standout defensive back Marco Rubio has filed legislation to protect the NCAA from litigation if they make changes to allow players to get financial benefit by leveraging their name and likeness. I think this is a great step forward. In both Florida and California, our governors have expressed support for legislation that would allow college athletes, again, these are these are men. These, these are not minors. They're over the age of 18. They could be drafted. They could go die in some war for our military, protecting our country. They could go, you know, serve in any other number of capacities for our government. But they can't get the economic benefit from the fact that they have built a brand around their own skill and excellence. And that's just not capitalist to me. It's just not American. So Florida Governor Ron DeSantis supports allowing them to sell autographs, to sell photos, that type of thing. Gavin Newsom agrees. And a group of current and former NCAA players have filed a lawsuit against the NCAA seeking damages for having not been given that right. So this is a smart group of lawyers. They've gone out and said, well, if this right is going to be vindicated, there might be some question as to whether or not there's a legal claim for it having had existed before, and thus there should be damages paid. That would be how the lawsuit would be laid out. And so Marco Rubio goes and essentially files legislation saying, well, if they change the law, we don't want them that to serve as an admission. Because if it did, then you would entrap current people in the system as we were trying to resolve disputes over people previously in the system. And that's not a very efficient way to resolve that conflict. So Rubio says, if the NCAA makes this change, they will be protected from liability. We will fix this going forward. And I would consider that great progress and economic justice. Online technology platforms are principally managed, governed, and directed by very far left-wing folks in Silicon Valley. And if left to their own devices, they will do everything in their power to steal this election from Donald Trump. It's why I've been so forceful in calling for action against big tech when big tech cheats. And the 
fundamental reason why Donald Trump was able to avoid big tech's theft of his election in 2016 is that they never thought he could win it, but he did. So here we are. Here's the news. Uh, the Department of Justice has very recently just endorsed reforms that really Senator Josh Hawley honed into legislation over in the United States Senate. These reforms would repeal some of the protections that big tech has from liability. But here's the problem. The Department of Justice is not doing enough today to enforce antitrust laws. That's right. Usually I am not a critic of the Trump administration. I support the Trump administration, but they need to be doing more. The Department of Justice needs to be doing more. Bill Barr needs to be doing more to enforce antitrust laws in litigation, in actions against the companies that utilize their market power to redefine the nature of speech in this country. And so while I appreciate the Attorney General's support of Senator Hawley's legislation, I am losing confidence in legislation as the mechanism by which we're going to solve this, this problem. Because so much of Congress is bought off by big tech. And I know how, you know, one, two, three, a small group of senators could totally block any major legislation. It's frankly a travesty. A great nation should not get held hostage by a small band of senators, but that is the system that they have designed over there. And so if this president wants a fair shot at getting reelected, he needs to direct his attorney general to utilize the antitrust laws of this country fairly, apolitically, but actively against any social media platforms that are improperly censoring speech. And by the way, whether that's right-wing speech, left-wing speech, middle-of-the-road speech, if it's whatever it is, if there is unfair censorship, if there is, and, and by the way, here's how you figure that out. You go file the action, you get to discovery, and you force them to disclose the ways in which they determine what content is elevated and what content is suppressed. And when you find content that's been suppressed or shadow banned or demonetized, you then have a way to probe that decision-making process. And what you're going to find is that it's freaking political. And so we need that, that not an executive order strategy. We need a litigation strategy against big tech. Otherwise, we could have the greatest ideas. We could have the best branding. We could have the best slogans. We could offer the best vision for the country. But it is not one that will ever be fairly absorbed or fairly even presented because these online platforms have developed too much power to constrain and control speech. And it's time we speak out against them. And it's time we speak through lawsuits filed by the Department of Justice and antitrust actions filed by the Department of Justice. Let's get on it, Mr. Attorney General. Cancel culture getting its latest two victims the gator bait cheer from the University of Florida, and also the term chief itself. That's right, The Blaze is reporting that in Duluth, Minnesota, community leaders are questioning whether or not to eliminate the term chief from fire chief or police chief or any other type of chief that they may have. And and I'm just wondering, like, to what extent is this reaching the absurd where, like, any root word or title that could at any point have been used in any derogatory way like now we're all too snowflake to be able to deal with that i mean whatever happened to the people who said that 
if there's bad speech, the best response to that is more speech. Like, when did we reach a point in our society where instead of confronting the things that were uncomfortable or challenging, we just, we had to cancel them and anybody said it was a racist. We may be getting to the point in America where like there are more racist hunters than there are racists. And so we have to have this construct where things that aren't really racist, like calling the police chief, the police chief or the fire chief, the fire chief has to be labeled as racist so as to satisfy the appetite of the racism hunters. That, that's really what this feels like in Duluth, Minnesota. I mean, uh, the, the country music singer Eric Church had an album named Chief. Does he have to rename that? You know, the, the university uh, that I attended, Florida State University, we have a Chief Osceola. You know, the Seminole Indian tribe is one of the most sophisticated and successful businesses uh, you could imagine. You know, they go out and engage in a, a lot of entrepreneurial activity. They're even partners, not only from a business sense, but from a cultural development sense and an education sense and a healthcare sense with Florida State University. It is, it is a great honor uh, that we share with the, Indi with the Seminole tribe uh, to be able to do more to recognize their heritage, their background. And part of that is Chief Osceola uh, being a part of the ceremony that uh, we conduct before a football game. So uh, do we have to rename him something? Uh, the Seminole Injury Indian tribe doesn't have a problem with it, but maybe the folks in Duluth, Minnesota would. But speaking of the great state of Florida and the universities that reside within it, the University of Florida is now discontinuing the Gator Bait cheer. So they're the Florida Gators, and they do this obnoxious cheer, and I can say this as a Seminole where they kind of raise up their hands in a clapping you know, motion and, and clamp down like the chomp of an alligator while the band plays at like a almost Jaws-like ominous you know, uh, music and gator bait is what they cheer. Now apparently there's some story from time in like the early 1920s that says that at one point in Chipley, Florida, African-American children were allowed to play in shallow water as snipers from far away would shoot any alligators that came toward them. Now, I, I just can't even believe this, how ridiculous it is. First of all, in Chipley, everyone is saying this is absurd and ridiculous. Even the Chamber of Commerce came out with a statement calling this characterization a lie. Second, there are people hanging out by the water with guns all the time. And there are also children playing in the water all the time. That's what happens in Chipley. That's what you do. You get your guns and, you know, go down to the old watering hole, maybe grill something up, let the kids play in the water. And so might there have been a possibility where there was an African-American child playing in the water and somebody shot an alligator? Well, sure. But that didn't make the child gator bait of any kind. And by the way, like, where does it stop? Well, it was the alligator was obviously going to eat the African-American child in that scenario. So is the alligator racist? Should the, should the Florida Gators have to change their name altogether? And why even have names? I mean, you know, Seminoles, that comes from something. And hurricanes, I mean, by having the Miami hurricanes, uh, we are really trivializing the negative consequences of climate change, aren't we? You know, I mean, so I think there is a reason that anyone can be offended about anything, but to get rid of the gator bait cheer is just nonsense. I mean, in Florida, 
the Gators have been playing a little bit better college football lately. The Seminoles lost uh, to the Gators pretty badly in their last contest, I hate to say, as a Seminole. Uh, but at least at Florida State University, we haven't canceled Chief Osceola yet. Meanwhile, down at Gainesville, I guess they're too woke to cheer Gator bait. We have blown past a thousand ratings. Thank you everyone so much for your reviews, positive, negative, or otherwise. I love reading them and seeing what everybody thinks about the show. Keep up those ratings. If you haven't done it in a while, you can actually do it again and it will count. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll be back Monday with more hot takes.